It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Rooker Report Extra Podcast. Uh, you had Mark last week. I'll let him have it for a week. Uh, not that I couldn't be asked. I just had stuff on. Do you know what I mean? Um, lo and behold, we won after he did it. My success rate for winning games when I've done the Extra Podcast is relatively small. However, I did do it before Charlton, so fair play. Um, I'm hoping I continue on Mark's success this week. It's a bit weird winning games, isn't it? That's what, three and four? There's only Luton that have failed to... Uh, uh, we failed to beat Sorry, should I say, just yet. Great win last night. I'm obviously recording this on a Thursday. A few people said we didn't play that well. I think obviously there's a few things in defence and so on and so forth. But if you're going to argue the 4-1 win, like where have you been for the past few years with something? Do you know what I mean? So I'm happy. I'm, I'm positive. As I said, I was the other week before the Charlton game. Thankfully, that positivity's piled into uh, the start of the season. We're almost at the end of the first month. And coming up tomorrow, uh, no, well, yes, t- for you tomorrow, two days for me, you have AFC Wimbledon, which I think I think is actually a first for us technically in, in the current guise. Um, and to help us get to know Wimbledon, the new Wimbledon, if you prefer, a little better is Josh from the Don's cast. How are you doing, mate? You all? Yeah, I'm well. Thank you for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. You don't sound like you're from Wimbledon. Give me the story. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I really got into Wimbledon, I would say like six, seven years ago, uh, when I really started to like follow league football a little bit closer. And uh, I fell in love with Wimbledon and their story and everything that they've been through to get back to where they are currently uh, playing in the league above the franchise in Milton Keynes. So I think that's pretty cool. So I've just been a Wimbledon fan for like six, seven years now. And remind me, how how old are Wimbledon? I know that sounds really ignorant, but I completely forget uh, how old the new Wimbledon so, are. Uh, the original Wimbledon FC, I believe, was founded in 1889, I think. And uh, after the club moved to Milton Keynes, this new Wimbledon team was founded in 2002. And it's funny because I remember the old Wimbledon. I remember when they got took over and, and they went to... Milton Keynes, and I, th- I think we played them. I remember Darren Byfield scoring. I mean, we're really going back now, but um, it was an old, old, yeah. old time. But I remember the old Wimbledon as well. And I mean, everyone kind of liked old Wimbledon, but no one really loved old Wimbledon because of the Vinnie Joneses. But everyone everyone kind of likes AFC Wimbledon. It, it's fan-based. It's kind of fighting against the franchise. And do you feel that? Yeah, it's definitely it's an underdog atmosphere, to say the least. Um even like the old Wimbledon teams in like the late eighties when they won the FA cup and they were able to beat Liverpool, uh, they were called the crazy gang. I feel like 
that team had a lot of support behind it like just because people were rooting for the underdog and they've just been the underdog throughout the history of the of the club yeah and and no more so than probably now and it's it is a great story when you really think about it and it's like it's funny there's not many teams you could say you know i followed like seven years ago and you you followed them like almost their entire history do you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of funny to think uh i followed them a, a majority of their history pretty much and i was late to the game so it's kind of funny to see the club move forward uh the way that they have been i mean bringing it up to like present day um i mean I'm, it's still really early in the season don't get me wrong but I, I was looking through the the results and obviously i finished you know near the bottom of the league last year but you take away last yesterday's result and you started quite well yeah uh the season got off to a great start uh beating fleetwood and that and that was a way too so that was a great win to start the season off uh but since then they've kind of had trouble scoring goals but take away the result against Walsall, and it's it has been a pretty good season thus far. Because you got a, you got a point down at Barnsley, which I think, I mean Barnsley, they they've beaten everyone a bit like us. I mean, there's only yeah. Newton that have managed to like hold us to a draw, and then you look at, I mean, Sunderland and Barnsley, you would maybe say the the two favourites, certainly from a bookie's perspective. But yes, you didn't score, but you managed to keep Barnsley out. So how's the, how's the team looking? Is it suffering from Lyle Taylor not being there? Uh, I would definitely say it's a pretty, it's a Lyle Taylor sized gap that they need to fill in the front. Uh, over the past off season, they signed uh, 10 new players, I think. So it's been a real hectic time for the club. I think they're real try- uh, really just trying to figure out their identity right now, uh, moving forward for the season. Yeah, you mentioned about how many players you'd signed. It's a bit like us when we had, I had a Charlton fan on before the opening game of the season. Um, and they didn't technically have a, a full-time manager because Boyer was caretaker. And then I looked at the players they'd signed and they signed like pretty much Lyle Taylor and nobody else. I looked at the people you had signed and I was like, oh, fucking hell, there's quite a few <laughs> down there. So is that is that been the case of, because again, from the outside looking in, you've lost obviously probably your, your big name player, but have you lost other players that are kind of vital to that cog and you're kind of, as you said, trying to find a new identity? Uh, we lost this really great piece in the midfield that we had Dean Parrott and I'm not quite sure where he went, but he was like the main midfielder that we had. And most of our, uh, pushes forward really came through him. So that's been another like gap that's still trying to get filled in. We brought in a couple of really good midfielders in Scott Wagstaff and Anthony Wordsworth, and they've been able to provide some energy in the midfield to try to help, uh, fill up those gaps that we've had from losing Dean Parrott. And I think I think Parrot actually went to our opponents yesterday, Gillingham, I think. But then you've also be- brought in yeah. Wagstaff from Gillingham, I believe. But Wagstaff's former yeah. I, I want to say former Charlton. I think I think I've played football manager too much. I kind of I, I know these <laughs> players more than I should. Which brings me on to you're you're sponsored by Football Manager, right? Uh yeah, that's the sponsor on the front of the kit. It's pretty awesome. It's a great sponsor to have. Yeah, it's like the best you can have. Like period yeah. do, do you think that uh w- was that kind of bought in because kind of afc wimbledon kind of almost is like fantasy football in a sense like it's fan based and built up from the bottom so yeah i'm i mean i'm sure that probably had something to do with it it's a it's a great game and it gives you a lot of control which is something that the fans of wimbledon actually have it's a fan-owned club uh fans usually have a say in all the decisions that are made they elect the board they do all sort uh those kind of things so it's really a fan experience if you're a wimbledon fan and it's it's it is a different world in a sense to Sunderland 
association football club but at the same time it's like it's funny you mentioned about being sort of fan based now obviously we've got Stuart Donald who's just took over and you've got um obviously Charlie as well and you've got Juan who's come on board at the same time and sort of bought the club but I think it's not so much like just having that new owner what's been quite nice is like the things that have happened in pre-season, like we got to change the seats in the stadium because they were faded and they were old. And it does kind of feel like something's came back to the fans and, and it really does push you further forward, doesn't it? When you have like, when when what you're doing as a fan actually dictates what happens on the pitch almost. It just, we've always felt like a family-based club. Wimbledon must feel like that 100%. Oh yeah, I bet. Uh, unfortunately, I've never been able to make it to London to get to a game, but uh, just watching the, I follow it on uh, the iFollow app, which allows uh, oh, yeah. people abroad to watch the games. Yeah, it's a great, great, uh, great product. But all the games that I watch, like it, the people that are there, I, they know each other. It's a small stadium. They play at Kings Meadow in South London. They're currently in the process of building a new stadium, returning to Plow Lane, which has been something the club has wanted to do since the late 90s. So to see, it's such a family atmosphere, I feel like, at the matches. And I, it makes me feel proud to be a Wimbledon fan. I feel like almost everyone in the league. I feel like no one's met a Wimbledon fan and been like, wow, that guy was a real dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it's like, I mean, there's probably been a few some I've met a few Sunderland fans that I think of that, but um, you, you're probably right when it comes to Wimbledon. Again, it was, I, I, I remember when it happened and I remember it just being absolutely mental um for want of a better word it was just like you can't just move a team and and put them in a different place entirely and it just like i say i remember we went to that blumen hockey stadium that they i think they still play at um and it was so soulless and it was just you basically just went well we're not going to have it we're going to put the fans here and, and but you mentioned before you like you're a whole league above them now um what kind of satisfaction does that give you uh, I feel so good. I sleep so good every night knowing the <laughs> franchise of Milton Keynes is playing in League Two and that we leapfrogged them. And we didn't, we started with an open tryout in the town lawn in South London in 2002. And now we're above the team that moved that we had to replace. And you played each other not so long ago in the cup, if I remember rightly, because I remember it being a quite a it was a, it was a result I looked out for in a really weird way. Like, yeah, you watch your Man United and your Man Cities and and whatnot, you'll watch that. But I remember when I'm sure you played each other first and foremost in the cup, and I remember just being like, I really want Wimbledon to win that. Like, and it's I mean, don't get me wrong, I really want to hammer you on Saturday. Like, <laughs> um, it's nice to see that kind of fan. It's a quite literally fan led fan fan bread if you prefer you know what i mean it's it's all born from basically people saying you're not taking wimbledon but one thing that does interest me and and i don't know whether you can answer this based on what you told me before but you've probably got a better idea than i do do you align with wimbledon's previous history or do you align from like afc wimbledon forward do you still class it as the same team because it's the same city the same fans probably so what happened was when uh wimbledon fc moved to milton Keynes, they took the Wimbledon trophies with them and the history with them. And once AFC Wimbledon was founded, they protested and said, that's their history. We should have the trophies. We should have the history. It's our club. And Milton Keynes relinquished that and gave it to Wimbledon. So all of Wimbledon's accomplishments in the past are associated to AFC Wimbledon, which was really cool. It's cool, but at the same time, it, it does beg the question, what the hell were they thinking when they moved it in the first place? Like, what was the point of that? Just buy a team in Milton Keynes. 
Like, just make a new team, start from the bottom, do what you guys did. It just, it goes to show you just can't do that. And I, I remember at one point, I don't know how far true this is, and this is really going back in memory, but didn't he want to move you to, like, Dublin or some shit? Yeah, there was talks of moving the club to Ireland. There was talks of moving them to Dublin. And I, I don't even know how that would have worked, having a league football team in another country. I don't, I don't know what the plan would have been there. Do you think he had a plan or do you think he just like had a bit of a brain fart and lots of money? <laughs> That's kind of what it seems like. I, he, he tried to manufacture a football club by stripping one down and replacing it and expecting people to be attached to it. People love their football teams because they, their grandfather loved their team. Their father loved that team that you went to the games on Saturdays and Sundays and to just up and move a team to Milton Keynes. And there's no history. There's no connection. It's just, Oh, we have a 25,000 seater with a team that just moved here. I guess they're my club now. I don't know. Like, it just seems strange. Like, I mean, it, it kind of dawned on me that I was going to be like talking to an AFC Wimbledon fan. And I was just like, that's fucking mad. Like, the more you think about the whole situation, and I was like, I should probably touch on that. And I thought that would take a good 10 minutes up. And it has. But I suppose moving forward, I, I'm, I'm a pretty happy chappy at the minute. I think. You know, the players we've signed very much are proven to be, so far, um, top-level League One standard. I think Leuven's, Baldwin's been excellent. Maguire's been very good. But again, I'm, you know, I've never been in Division Three as a Sunderland fan, and I'm, I'm 32. I was struggling with the championship last year, and sometimes I look through certain teams and the certain names that stick out, but I'm still, I don't, I don't think I'm ignorant to it, but I'm still pretty clueless. I'm not as clued up as I thought I was, so... What what's Wimbledon's style of play? Like what are you like the old guys where you just kick lumps out of us? Or do you have like a passing game? Or should, should, give me a bit of insight on Wimbledon. What we what are we to expect? This season they've played really defensive mindedly. They've played really far back. Uh in exception for the Walsall game. I've really been saying a lot of the times they're not creative, uh trying to push the ball forward um, at times. They all just take a a nice lofted pass like from one box down to the other and hope that someone's going to control it and try and put it in the back of the net, which uh, we haven't been doing a lot of. I'm, <laughs> we have uh, five points uh, and we have a negative goal differential. So it's not great. It's really, it's a, uh, it's a defensive minded team. It's uh, a lot of lofted passes. You'll see a lot of crosses from Pinnock and Wagstaff and Wordsworth. They'll try to whip it into the box. We have this uh, player, Joe Piggott, he came from Maidenstone in the fifth tier, I believe, last January. And we call him the Maidenstone and Messi. He's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, been, um, he's been pretty solid. He scored the first goal of the season. And he is going to be like the main strike force up front, I believe, trying to fill where Lyle Taylor left. So you'll see a lot of crosses into the box and trying to see Joe Piggott find his head on it and put one in the back of the net. But for the most part, it's a mainly defensive game a little bit of a midfield game, and then a lot of crossing. That seems to be the strategy this year. So when it comes to AFC Wimbledon, you know, you finished, I think, 17th, 18th last year. Um, I believe so, yeah. For, for us, I, I've said this a few times, and I think as a fan base, we feel that anything less than promotion for us would be a failure. But what's success for AFC, AFC Wimbledon this season? At the beginning of the year, I was really hoping for a mid-table finish. Uh, I don't want to be getting down the last couple of weeks of the season and having to rely on other teams' results about um, getting relegated. I, I really think that uh, the players that our manager, Neil Ardley, has brought in 
have been uh, really great pieces. And I think that the talent on this team has potential to finish mid table. They just need to figure out their identity. And I think that's going to take a little while with 10 new signings coming in and so many players leaving. And I suppose when it comes to the game on Saturday, then are you expecting it to be defensive and are you hopeful for like, I mean, I, I don't want to sound arrogant at all, but I suppose we're no. one of the bigger teams and we've started well, but do you think it's going to be a, a backs to the wall job? Do you, do you have a, a fear of us? Do you, or do you think you can, do you think you can do us? I would be really surprised if Wimbledon came away with three points from this game. Um, I'd still even be surprised that they came away with one point from this game. I mean, uh, Sunderland was a Premier League team just two years ago. It's two years ago. We were still uh, fighting in League Two. So it, I think it's going to be we're going to have a lot of men back and we're going to try to look for mistakes that Sunderland might make and try to really counter on that. But I don't expect Wimbledon to be playing a really front forward game and trying to get as many shots on net as they possibly can manage. And I suppose as an American, um, obviously you said you're from Massachusetts. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on Lyndon Gooch? Well, have you had much of a chance to see him? I mean, obviously he plays in the American team. He's done well for ourselves, but he's, uh, have you, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on our team as a whole? Have you managed to catch us this season? And, and is there anyone you fear? I haven't really followed Sunderland too closely this season. Like I said, like like you were saying how you don't really know much about Wimbledon. I don't yeah. really know much about Sunderland because I don't really, I hadn't really been focusing on uh, on yeah. you guys so much. I don't, I didn't really uh, perceive it as a threat, but it seems like you guys just put a battering on. Yeah, um, Gillingham. Yeah, Gillingham. You, what was the final score on that? 3-1, 4-1? 4-1, yeah. Yeah, so... It's going to be a lot of attack, I think, from Sunderland, and the Dons are just going to have to find a way to absorb that. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, I think, I mean, we, we went 1-0 down in two minutes, but we were three went up by the 20th minute, and I think yeah. <laughs> we were also 3-0 up at halftime against, uh, against Scunthorpe. And although Charlton was obviously a, a bit of a scare because we went 1-0 down, Lyle Taylor scored the penalty. We came back, won that in the 96th minute, and it really did feel like that was sort of a catalyst. And obviously we've got Josh Madger has just put four goals in four games as well, which I think someone said that was a record, but I'm pretty certain that's not the case. I'm sure I remember Kevin Phillips scoring like seven games in a row, but as a child, I remember him scoring in every game. But it's, it's funny you mentioned a lot of teams are just like a chuck things in the box in this league do you think that's what could set Sunderland apart that we actually play a lot on the floor we play an awful lot on the floor so far anyway yeah I think that's what separates you can definitely tell Sunderland has a different play style you can tell that the they have Premier League experience and just the attitude of the club is really different I feel like a lot of the teams in League One they they play League One football where it feels like Sunderland is playing championship or Premier League football in comparison. It's a lot more calculated. It's a lot more clinical. Are you pleased you're playing us at home as opposed to away? I'm looking forward to getting some money from the ticket sales when we play you away. I think that'll be nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, K- Kings Meadow is the smallest stadium in League One. I think it has like 4,700 capacity and like 2,000 of that is seated. So it's uh, it's a really small stadium, but it's a good atmosphere in the uh, the fans are really passionate about this club. It means a lot to them. So to get behind them, I think uh, it'll definitely help I, in uh, this game on Saturday. It's definitely an important game. 
and it's a new experience for us, a new experience for them as players. The whole the whole league is, but I think um, you know, in a weird way, as fans, yeah, it's easy to say you enjoy a league when you're winning games, but I, like I really enjoyed watching us like absolutely twat Gillingham yesterday. Like, I, I bet, yeah. that. like it's it's nice to be like having this kind of yeah, we have a big stadium and it's uh, I believe oh, it's got to be the biggest in that league, surely. And we've definitely got the biggest attendances. Um, but the away games, like the scramble for tickets, is crazy. Like. People really, really, really wanted tickets for Wimbledon. It was like, no, I have to be one of like, because it's kind of that I was there moment. Like I was at Wimbledon and it's, it feels like you're really coming back to kind of grassroots football, which is probably where you kind of were really into Wimbledon at the beginning, which is why you, should we, I was going to say deflected, but you never kind of deflected from anywhere. That, that's probably <laughs> why you went towards Wimbledon, I suppose. And I can, I can understand why people love League One football. Like I totally get it. It's easy for me to say who's won three out of the last four, but it's, kind of nice going to these little stadiums that are like little family clubs as opposed to the big money of the Premier League like do I miss the Premier League nah, not really if I'm honest with you like I didn't like getting beat every other week and, and scrapping for relegation yes you always want to be there and yes our foundation and and our, our our stuff that goes on in the background I would say is you know like the, the academy the stadium it, it is it is Premier League but it's been really good fun being in League One. I just really, really hope we win it. But then at the same time, I'm going to miss it if we do that. Like, because I've loved it so far. I feel like we're going to go in every game with a chance. And do you know how long it's been since I've had that feeling? A long fucking time. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I bet it feels amazing after the past two seasons you've had following Sunderland to watch them go into these tiny stadiums and just kick ass i feel like it yeah. must feel great to watch uh your boys go out there on saturdays and just lay waste to some of these uh <laughs> these uh teams in league one it, it feels like and this and, and it sounds again so like patronizing so and and we're a league one team because we deserve to be in league one there's no no big stadiums no big academy no fan base is going to change that we're here because we deserve to be here as a football club and we can't go into this league and and believe anything different but like it did make me laugh that um one of our writers tom who also my best friend at the same time is hilarious at saying i just feel like we're going to go into this league and ruffle like the hairs of every team and just be like oh bless and it's like it's kind of nice to being able to do that but i just get the feeling that one of these teams is just going to do us one nil with like a shit penalty in the 90th minute like yeah I just feel it might be Wimbledon. Things are positive right now, and I just feel like Wimbledon might just do us one nil with like a really dodgy penalty towards the end of the game, and then everything's despair again. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I would definitely love to see that, um, but I I just think the the squad that we have now, they're still like they played a few preseason matches. We've played how many matches now, including the cup tie? We've played five. Five. Um, yeah. So th- the team is still. It, it still feels like a work in progress. Like when I watch, there's passes that they miss. There's lanes that I feel like a player should take a rundown that they just don't quite get to yet. I still think it's going to take a couple of weeks until we're really uh, start to hit the ground running and score some more uh, some more goals. You, you mentioned um, the cup game though, because when I was looking through obviously your results so far, that that Portsmouth game stuck out. Then I realized it was the cup. Was that a kind of understrength Portsmouth team, or was, did you just play really well that night? Uh, it was a gift from God in the 88th minute, I think. Um, <laughs> it was an absolutely horrendous own goal by a, a Portsmouth defender. It went right off his leg and directly into their net. Like 
their keeper didn't even make a chance at it. And it was in like the 88th minute. There was nothing they could do at that point. So they won, uh, they won that game. And it was amazing to watch that happen. Yeah, cause that, that, that's a big scalp, really, because, I mean, Portsmouth are... I don't think Portsmouth. they've lost a league game yet. I think they're no. on 12 points. They've won every game, I think. Because um, yeah. I was looking at the league and I thought, well, surely that's just top of the league by now. But then there's a few teams above us. We're actually only fourth because we've got that draw down at Luton, which was... It's actually one of the better games we played, the Luton game. It just somehow didn't seem to, to get, get the sort of win and whatnot. But... Um, Looking at, obviously, the way you set up as well, that's one thing I'm quite interested in. Obviously, your style of play seems to be very similar to a lot of League One teams. Yeah. Have you adopted that kind of new formation that a lot of teams seem to have? You know, we have like four at the back, you have the holding midfielder, like the modern day 4-4-2 where you just like have these kind of inverted kind of outsided wingers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Four five one four three three formation, or do you just go with fucking four four two and just fire on old school? You know, they always seem to come out in the game in a four four two, and then they have a midfielder usually stay back. It's usually Tom Soares as a midfielder, and he'll hang back and kind of be a defensive midfielder, and he'll shift in toward the middle, and then they'll go on counter, and then there'll be one striker up front, and then sometimes there'll be two strikers up front. It's a really like fluid formation. It kind of switches between the four four two and then almost like a four one two one two or something. Yeah, it's 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 really strange, but they always seem to start off and try to play that like rock solid four four two league one formation, and it always seems to diverge into something else. I just I love that you mentioned Tom Sores. It's like. I love some of the names that just crop up from here. It's like, I, I feel like these players are like dead. You know what I mean? Like, like whatever happened to that guy? Like, and, and he's the former Crystal Palace and Stoke player. Is that right? That right? sounds, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And cause he was, I'm sure he was quite highly rated, but we were talking about like random players that were in like random teams. Like, and there's certain players like, that just pop up and you're just like, what the hell ever happened to that person? How does he still exist? And that's why I'm really liking League One. It's like, I used to love that game where you could just like mention random 90s players. I'm half expecting like Stig Inga Bjornaby to appear at like left back for <laughs> Walsall or some shit. Um, it's it's kind of got, it's, it's it's got a beauty about it in its own little way. And it sounds, again, it sounds really patronizing. And I don't like that because Sunderland's not really like that as a fan base, no, but... No. It's got its own little beauty that will just go into these like tiny little grounds, winning games. That always really helps the mood. Um, and just finding like, these really old school players. And like, I mean, I live in Scotland, so I'm used to kind of hilarious football because Scottish football has some <laughs> real moments, let me tell you. Um, but I, know, I live in the up. United States. Imagine what I see. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, again, I don't want to patronize, but yes, I can imagine. But but America's improved its game recently. You know, we've we've had some great players from America. I remember Claudio Reyna was one of the best players, most talented anyway, that I've seen in sort of my lifetime. Obviously, he was captain of America, but you didn't qualify for the last World Cup, did you? If I remember no. rightly. No, it was tough. It was really tough to watch. All they had to do was not lose to Trinidad and Tobago, and they went out there and they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. Wow. I mean... <laughs> I've like I like Trinidad because of obviously Carlos Edwards who played for us and a few of the guys and Kenwin Jones, but I don't think I can think of any Trinidad players off the top of my head. Whereas I don't blame you. The English game, you know, the English game did really well, and it's been like oh, yeah. the past few weeks have been amazing for us because it's like um, you know I, I found my love again for my national team. I found my love again for like Sunderland. It's been 
you know, maybe League One football is where it's at, where you can rediscover your your love for shit, you know? And I'm starting to really, really feel that way. And I feel as a fan base, we feel like that as well. Like, I'm excited for, like, the games. Um, unfortunately, I've, I've, I've had a miss, like, the first two home games. I only managed to go to a few preseason games, but I'm back for the, the Oxford game. Um, obviously still got my season ticket and I'm, I'm absolutely buzzed to see us play Oxford and with all due respect to Oxford I'm just happy to be seeing like 11 guys on the field that like actually want to play for the shirt and there's there's something to be said for that I think isn't there yeah there definitely is I mean in league one they're I mean they're obviously getting they're getting paid but they're not out there trying to uh, get as many goals as they can get all the tackles that they can to try to get that big paycheck at the end of the at the end of their contract they're playing for their club and they're playing for their fans and it's there's something to be said for the lower tier teams as opposed to the teams in the Premier League. And I imagine especially at somewhere like Wimbledon, if you don't if you don't put the work in, if you don't wear that shirt with pride, there's not really many hiding places in a stadium that small. And it feels like League One's like that. You can you can hear what they're saying and, you know, let's be honest, lower level fans are not always the nicest in a hilarious, hilarious way. Yeah, I mean definitely. I mean uh, some of the chants that you'll hear at the at the grounds and the songs that they'll sing are just downright hilarious. It's so funny because I I can only watch the games from uh, the iFollow app, so I, like you can just hear them in the background while the broadcaster is like trying to talk professionally about the game. And there's there's guys on the back like, "Hey, you're fucking shit, get out of our stadium!" And like, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's just uh, it's so fun to watch. I love it. It's like it's like, I, and I mean, this might change if we get beyond Saturday. But I feel like I never really want to leave League One. I've really liked this four weeks of winning games and watching. Rel- well, we played quite good football, but a lot of the opposition teams have been relatively poor to watch. But it's been quite fun. Like people seem pleased to have us there. It's it's kind of a weird situation, but nonetheless, that will change if we get dicked one 0 in the last minute by a dodgy penalty, which. The Charlton fan did say to me is that there will be one week where you get done one nil off like Walsall and you're going to have to stomach that shit because it's going to be at home and you're going to go home and think we've just got beat off Walsall. I, I never want to get overly arrogant with it, but I'm really pleased at how well we've started. I, would, I normally at this point touch on memories of games against Sunderland, but we've never played you. I don't think so. No, I don't think there's ever been a match between the two clubs. Not, a, not, in a, not with AFC Wimbledon. And Sunderland, yeah. I think, yeah. The last time we played Wimbledon, I do, I do vaguely remember the two games. I think, I, like before, it was you'd moved to the, the Wimbledon at the time was playing at that Blumen Hockey Stadium, and I remember we won two nil. And I do remember Darren Byfield scoring, and I remember beating Wimbledon two one at home. I think this was like two thousand and three, um, and Michael Proctor scoring in the last minute. So it really does feel like a throwback, like in terms yeah. of memories. Like I it's a don't matchup that hasn't happened in a while. No, like not it's not at all in this guys, and not at all in in the previous guys. We have played MK Dons, and we did beat them for you. So there is oh. a plus point. That oh, was a while ago, that. but we did yeah. do it. We did do it. So moving into obviously Sunderland form, like you said, it's it's difficult. Like we're five games into the season. If I'm having this conversation with you later on down the line, we've probably watched each other's teams a lot more. We've probably got a lot more of an understanding about each other's teams. But if you had to pick anyone that you do fear from the Sunderland squad or anyone that you think has stood out from the, you know, off the top of your head, the likes of Honeyman Gooch, is there anyone that you would pick out that you think would be our key man and the person that you feel you need to nullify going into the game on Saturday? 
Uh, the first one that came to mind was Honeyman, just because one, that's an absolutely powerful last name. <laughs> yeah. It's just great. Uh, he's your captain, I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, he just yeah, new, newly appointed. Yeah. He's still, still a young boy, but um, he's, he's a bit more Mike with our fan base, but I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a fan of George Honeyman. Yes. Yeah. I think he's got, uh, he scored how many goals does he have this season? He only he has a, one, but he got seven last year. He got seven yeah, was, last year. Yeah. I was gonna say I thought I heard his name in uh in the news a few times. So I think that's definitely gonna be one of the biggest threats that Wimbledon's gonna have to look out for. Yeah, I mean, from a his game yesterday, he played really, really well and is I think he's kind of reveling in that captaincy. And again, he's um he, he played really quite well last season in a really, really poor struggle inside with a really bad season and came out with seven goals. And if, if we'd signed a player in preseason who'd scored seven goals in the championship, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'd be raving about it. So it's nice to see that he's not been as more mighty this season. People seem on board with George Honeyman. And I really do think, I, I agree with you, basically. Uh, Honeyman is a vital, vital cog in that team. He knits play together very, very nicely. But um, there's a guy behind him with the best name ever, Max Power, who you might know a little oh, bit more yeah. about. Yeah, I, I was listening to your podcast uh, before I came on here. I was listening to your last episode, and every time Max Power came up with the uh, with the voice effect, had me cracking up listening to it. It's just the best. I mean, it's like <laughs> I, I I can't. And, and the, the best thing is he's been really good. Like he scored two goals in three games, and he just has the best name. It's like it's Homer Simpson's like alter ego, I believe. Um, yeah. If you're a Simpsons fan, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We all are, you know, we're, everyone's a Simpsons fan, but the, the best thing about it is he's actually good. Like, and he's funny and he was posting stuff on his Instagram yesterday, like having a go with Donald Love, another person who's hilariously named, like, like it's like the only person he could pick on the team with a more hilarious name or equally hilarious name is Donald Love and Max Power is kicking off them. It's like, it's nice. Football's great. Like we have a player called Max Power, but even without his name, he's been great. And I really think he's been, I think he's going to be very, very vital. But um, that whole midfield's looking really, really nice there with Honeyman, Gooch. Chris Maguire has been excellent. And, and Chris Maguire is a guy we got on a free transfer from Berry. Roundly disliked by the guys at Berry. And I think any Sunderland fan listening to this will just appreciate how much of a shit house he is. Like when he scores, he celebrates in front of the home fans or the away fans of Wh- oh, who are playing. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, you need that. You you want that bastard in your team that yeah. like really wants to be a wind up merchant. And the good thing is he's been very good. Um and the the thing with Maguire that I've really, really, really liked is he gave away the penalty in the fifth minute against Charlton. Brand new sign in really big expecting stadium full of like positivity of after the takeover and all that stuff. And he takes a guy down in the first five minutes and will go like one nil down. His head could have easily dropped, but the last thing he's done since then is hide. And like it, maybe that's the kind of players we should have been having a while ago. And maybe what he's lacking in the talent of maybe some Premier League players we've had, he certainly makes up for it in like a being a shit house and B not being that bad as a footballer either. Um, he's very good at this level, but I'm really liking how the midfield looks. And it's nice to be able to speak to an opposition fan and say, yeah, you should fear us. Actually, we're pretty good. It's been about seven or eight years since we've done that. Yeah, I I mean, I bet it feels great knowing that you're, you're just about every game this season, you're going to go in being favored to come out with uh, with three points, if not at least one point. So I bet that's a great feeling, especially just the turmoil that you've been through in the past two seasons. 
Yeah, it's, it's been nice to, and I said this many times last season, and I was a very different person on the podcast last year, the, the extra podcast. I said an awful lot of times, like, you know, I'm just, I feel like even if we win, nothing changes because this bloody chairman, this bloody Texan that we have in charge, it's just, he's just killing the club and it's just crap and he needs to go. And like, now that he's gone and like we've got someone in charge that's not only just like taking it over like he he seems like a really nice bloke um which is kind of nice i mean i've never met him a few of the guys who do the podcast have and he just seems like a nice fella that just wants to have a a community club where the fans are happy and everyone's happy and i think it's you know football's a simple game to play on the field football's a relatively simple game to play off the field if you've got the right intentions you can gear towards putting a club where it should be and having the interest of the fans at heart. It's just, it doesn't seem many owners are like that anymore. And I'm really pleased we seem to have a guy that gets it because Sunderland's seemingly a really difficult place to get when it really shouldn't be. We just expect a bit of effort and we just expect decisions to be made that are not stupid, like spending a thousand pound on plastic flowers per month or something we heard this week like what the hell are they doing like it but it, it's beggars belief but yeah it, it, it does it does feel nice it does feel nice to feel positive about my football club it's been nice to enjoy your world cup and it's been nice to enjoy august and and win three out the first four and have a bunch of players who seem to be having a laugh seem to connect with the fans and if this was your introduction to afc wimbledon i can completely understand why you fell in love with a club like that because i feel like i've got my Sunland back and it's really good. Yeah, I think having we don't necessarily have one owner that is uh, in charge of the financials. A lot of it comes from the supporters, a lot of um, donations and a lot of different sponsorships and deals like that. And to, just to have fan interaction with who owns the club and to make yourself feel like you contribute to it and that you're a part of it, it makes you feel like you're you're really a member. It's a club. You want to feel like a member of the club and being a supporter of AFC Wimbledon. It's so easy to feel that way. Um, everyone in the community is just so amazing. And uh, I think we have some of the best fans in, if not league one and all of English football. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually really quite impressive when you look at what AFC Wimbledon did. Like, and I mean that sincerely, like it is really impressive to not just drag a team up from like, where we were like the the doldrums and and really picking a, a the club up from from nothing to actually build the club from dust is like quite impressive to surpass the team that made you want to do that is just downright nice isn't it <laughs> it's like it sounds yeah. nice for me to say it let alone like a fan of yeah, the club yeah. um but moving forward as always i will ask um, i'll give my I give my prediction. I, I I do fancy a three-one. I think I think you might nick one. I think the league, the way it seems to have gone, I, I don't think there's going to be loads of clean sheets. I, I don't think it's necessarily about being bad in defence. I just think there's like a lot of long balls and mistakes can happen at this quality of football. But I think we've got loads up front. I think you know Josh Madge is completely on fire, scoring every single game. Gooch, Maguire, Honeyman, uh, even Catamol's playing all right, which is saying something. And Max Power, obviously. I, I do think there's loads of goals in that team, but what's your prediction? I mean, realistically, I would be okay with a draw, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think Sunderland's going to come away with three points. Uh, I think it's either going to be a 3-1 or a 3-0 victory for Sunderland. It's It's just hard to see Wimbledon keeping up with a club that's, gotten off to such a hard start like knows 
who they are, what they want to accomplish, whereas we're still on the side of trying to figure it out almost. Yeah, I mean, we are kind of figuring it out too, but it seems that there is a plan and we started very well. I hope that we're both right. I'm sure you don't. Um, but <laughs> I really hope I get proven wrong. That would just be great. I don't, but <laughs> but it's been a uh, it's been nice having you on, and it's uh it's been nice to have a perspective of someone who follows a club that is kind of brand new to give me a bit of a perspective of something I don't know a lot about. Um, if I'm completely honest, and I, I really hope that you, I, I'm not going to play up London because I think it's an awful place, and I really don't like it. But um, for for your own sanity, I hope that you you get over to London and catch a game. But if you want to watch a real team. There's a team about five or six hours on a train further north. Um, <laughs> lovely meeting you, my man. I'm sure it'll be like not the first time. Um, and I hope that next time we speak, you may be even making your way at the stadium light to catch your team get beat away from home as well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Anytime, my friend. Have a good night or day or yeah. whatever time it is over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You too. Catch you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was the AFC Wimbledon podcast, which has been a little while since I thought I would say that, if I'm honest with you. I thought the days of playing Wimbledon were gone, but lo and behold, they're back um, in their own guys. And I, I enjoyed that. It was nice getting a little bit of a little bit of feedback on, on what AFC Wimbledon have become, you know, and it's um, I can completely understand why someone could fall in love with that idea. Like, I totally get it. And I think where going through kind of something similar now we're having a bit of a renaissance aren't we and it's isn't it nice to watch a team that you actually like the players and and chris mcguire i just absolutely love him like i really like his tenacity and his, his shithousery I, I think it's been so long since we we've, we've had that the guy seems to want to play for Sunderland and prove some people wrong potentially you know the, the people at berry but i think lyndon gooch has been excellent i think honeyman's been excellent i'm really really liking jack baldwin i think the, the way he chucked his head in front of that boot yesterday to kind of stop us from conceding when we were 4-1 up you've, you've got to give a level of respect for that but it's um yeah I'm positive I'm, I'm really happy I, I really can't I really can't knock the lads at the moment I'm sure it'll not always be as plain sailing we're not going to be 3-0 up and 3-1 up at halftime every single week there will be tough games we will get beat we're not going to go through this league invincible and there will be tough games you know there's teams that have had better starts than us but bloody hell, it's just nice to feel positive and feel like we can beat teams at home, um, away from home, and have a bunch of players and a chairman and people around the chairman actually caring about the club. Um, we don't feel like a dying carcass anymore. Uh, we kind of feel like maybe not Sunderland in you know, what we know. We can be bigger, stronger, more powerful, but it does feel like Sunderland's back as a football club. Like we matter again. We're not a laughing stock anymore. We've got a solid chairman. We've got a good team. We've got a good young manager. We've got some good young players and we've got a lot of positivity in that team and a lot of positivity in that fan base. I hope it continues. I hope that we do beat Wimbledon on Saturday. Of course, I think we will. If we don't though, don't panic. You know, we're still a work in progress. We're going to have hiccups this season. Things are not going to be perfect. I think we're all prepared for patience. But let's enjoy it while it's going good. I'll see you next week before the Oxford game. I hope I'm talking about another three points, which I think would put us on to 13 points at that point. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we're pushing the top of that league, get to the top of the league and stay there and don't move from it. I'm feeling that level of positive and I hope you are too. Thanks for checking in as always. Enjoy your night or your day or your morning whenever you're listening to it. 
and enjoy three points hopefully on Saturday. Thanks now. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.